Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. Let's, how about we go, let's see what God talks to us about, because I want to talk about something that is very, very, very dear to my heart, and that's about family. It's about, we, we, we saw dedications this morning, and we saw family here, and uh, so I want to talk about the power of inheritance, and a little bit about what inheritance is all about. And so in Matthew chapter 22, verse 32, it says that, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So God is a generational God. When Jesus came on earth, it didn't surprise God. God had planned it. He had planned his parents. He had put into his parents. He had put into uh, Jesus' grandparents. He, he had built that. And, and today, hopefully at the end of this message, you'll get some things because I grew up in a family that loved God. Irish Catholics love God, but very dysfunctional. And you can get the two together. Who knows what I mean? And so you can get the two joining up. And, 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 and Anne and I, when we got married, when we got born again, I, I, was, I loved God, but I was quite dysfunctional. And we had to make a decision there and then, the junk's got to stop. And we're the generation has got to stop it. Because we want a generation that flows after us, has got the opportunity to, to love God as I did, but the opportunity to be able to learn some things from us that would be a strong hold for them, that would be a strength to them, would give them wisdom. And, and I look around here, you know, at, the, at, at, at people here where your grandchildren are in church and are serving God. And today, this is what I want to talk about. In Proverbs 13, verse 22, it says, A good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. A good man. It doesn't say a perfect man. None of us as parents are perfect. Does anyone want to be game enough? <laughs> I'm a long way from... If you think you're perfect, talk to your children. They will tell you where you're not. <laughs> for sure. Isn't that right? And my parents weren't perfect. But by God, they were good people. And they laid something in myself that today I see in my grandchildren. And they saw something in me that my grandparents had passed down. So today, let's talk about it. He lays up a good person. That means a man and a woman lays up intentionally by the way they live, the way they behave, by the way they talk, <clears throat> that will come to the surface, that will be lived out in their grandchildren and their children's children's children. So let's start. The first thing we think about an inheritance oftentimes is we think that inheritance is materialistic. And so when we talk about inheritance, what did you inherit from your family? Normally what we will say, it's either money or it's a property, house, land, or it's jewellery. My sister-in-law, she's after one of the rings that Anne wears. She says, when you die, I want, I want that ring. <laughs> this is Anne's sister. When you die, I want that ring. We, we often, we think about it, it material, or cars, 
or we think of businesses, we think of the materialistic when we're thinking about, about an inheritance. And so that's the first thing I want us to stop and think about today. When we're thinking, of, when we're thinking about laying up an inheritance, don't just think in, in, in the financial, not just think in the materialistic. It says here in Proverbs 13, 22 from the Message Bible, it says, a good life gets passed on to grandchildren. A good life. A good life. Where the grandchildren, where the children can say after the parents have passed away, what would mum say here? What would dad say here? How would they behave? How would they live? Would this be a, is this a lifestyle that would make my parents proud? Or is this a lifestyle that would make my grandparents proud? How would they think in the situation? See, it's more than a materialistic that we pass down. We know that, you know, uh, sociologists would talk about the second and third generation of the unemployed. Something has been passed down from generation to generation. Attitudes get passed down. The way we see people, what's passed down from my parents as Irish people whose, whose parents came out from Ireland, a lot of them in the potato famine time, and their attitude towards the British gets passed down. <laughs> gets passed down. And so these things we've got to see, they, 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 they dwell within us to the grandchildren, the values, the purpose. It's the foundation of what we pass down. Think of the inheritance, not in what we leave our children, but think of an inheritance as of what do I leave in my children. It's, it's not about money. It's not about land. It's not, it's what am I going to, what attitude, what faith am I going to leave in my children? And so it's not materialistic. How often do we see, you know, people who win gold lotto and it's gone, they're in a worse place 12 months later. How many people do we see, you know, inheriting land and money and it's just squandered because something has been missed? See, we don't really know the good of an inheritance until we see it in our grandchildren. So we measure the true value of an inheritance by, by the fruit we see in their lives. What are they doing with their worlds? I love to sit with my granddaughters and my grandson, and he's in the Navy, and sitting talking with him and thinking, where Anne and I started off, we often say we're in being church holding hands when and we'll see our family in church and we'll offer one another and say, you know what, this all started with you and me. Started with a young dysfunctional guy who loved God, who teamed up with a, a lovely lady, where we sat down and we thought, where do we want to end up? Where do we want to end up? Do we want our kids, grandkids to be our companions, our great-grandchildren? Do we want them to be our companion? Do we want them to be able to talk the same words of faith, of miracles? Do we want to get together and we talk about the great things of God and what God's doing? To see your grandchildren serving God in Sunday school. You see your grandchildren on the stage singing. How John Smith would be so proud in heaven today. <laughs> That's enough to make you cry. 
And I see Talia up here, and she's song leading, and, and she can sense the spirit in the room, the anointing in the room. I'm thinking, that just didn't fall down the last shower of rain. Mum and Dad put it into Mum and Dad, and Mum and Dad's put it into a granddaughter. It's what we pass on, what we live in them. See, 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, I'm remembered. This is young Timothy having a struggle in his faith, and this is Paul talking to a young man. He says, I'm reminded of the sincere faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. What? A it dwelt. It was alive. It, was, you know, it wasn't just talking about who you believe in, but... But okay, talking about the live faith that's in you. See, live faith that's active, that's, that's producing, that's, that can be seen. Not just a faith that we say, well, I'm, I'm of the Christian faith. No, they can see it by the way you live because something live was passed down from grandparent to, to parent to grandchild. And this is what I'm talking about is an inheritance today. We sit in a place here that we've inherited I didn't pay for this building, but I'm inheriting it. Wow. But I've got to pass something on to the next generation, something that has had faith to produce. And if I'm not a person of faith, I can't produce it. And so what we pass on is more than the materialistic. It is something that is birthed within us that's alive. For it's at. We often think of an inheritance as something that we receive after the person passes away. Now think about this. We think of an inheritance as something that we receive when we pass away. You had your son and grandchildren up here. And why are they up here? Yeah. What's this little girl and this boy? What are they going to... They're going to enter into their inheritance far, far, far. Many years before. I entered into my inheritance years before my parents died. Right. Right. See, an inheritance is, is... You don't lay it up to give them some time. You don't lay it up, oh, have this after I've passed away. It's now. The inheritance is now. It's a culture now. It's a value now. It's something now that we carry over our lives and our kids, our grandkids come in here and they inherit that faith. They learn how to live the life of faith. They learn how to love God. They learn their identity in Christ while I'm alive by watching, by reason of association. It's something that... See, often people say to me, Dan, you know... Oh, you just don't know my upbringing, Dan. This is why I'm at, because of my, my upbringing. Well, stop it. <laughs> don't be a victim. Stop it. <laughs> Say, I can be the firstborn of a whole new generation of people. I've got to stop the dysfunction. I've got to have a faith in God. I've got to motivate that faith. I've got to keep it going. I've got to show my kids how to finish the race well. I meet so many senior people, you know, who say, oh, I'm too old, and you're not too old. How many people have you seen start the race and not finish it? 
How many times do we see people start the race and something happens in their lives and they throw the Christian walk away? No, we've got to show people how we walk through the valleys and how we come out of them, how we finish this race with faith still in our hearts. You know, I can still remember my dad in his 90s beside his bed saying the rosary. No, it doesn't matter what you think of the rosary. Put that aside, but I saw a man who carried faith into his old age. And he always had the second seat in church every, every Sunday. A mother who went to Mass every morning. Didn't agree with them, but they showed me it was a live faith. Showed me something that was living. Living. And I could learn how to do it in my old age. I want to teach... I want to impart to kids that when I'm 80 years of age, and gee, that's only nine years away, but how do I still see miracles at 80? How do I do it? My dad was speaking five languages before he passed away and learned his sixth. So we sit down and say, Grace, Dad, would you say Grace in Indonesian today? what are we passing on to our kids we're going to do it while we're alive we've got to do it while we're alive and the first thing we've got to do is think of the spiritual what, what am I going to pass on spiritually and I think I've covered a lot of that it's about teaching our children our grandchildren an identity that's birthed out of Christ you know, I've said it before, there's no man-made people, no self-made people in heaven. My father, when he came back from the war, was so messed up, he went missing for ages. And he ended up in Greenslopes Hospital in the mental ward. And he was in, he was in a very bad way. And, um, and I remember seeing him as a kid, as a travelling salesman, go into houses where he hadn't been, and he'd say... Dan, all I do is just say, Jesus, 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 knocking on the door, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> because he knew, he knew that while he was in Christ, he could overcome all things. He knew that while he was in Christ, and it taught me, something that we've got to pass on to our kids, their identity is in Christ. Don't get too big-headed. You might have two or three degrees, you might have a million bucks, but at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> you're about a gallon of water yeah. and about a matchbox full of carbon. So we are, wow. till God speaks life into us. And, 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 and building our kids, built their identity in Christ. The second thing Is, is what are they going to inherit in their souls? I said earlier that I inherited a, a love for God from my parents, but they were dysfunctional. Their souls were still messed up. Their souls needed healing. Their souls need to get saved. Their souls need to meet with God. And and the thing that we've got to impart to our kids is a, is a soul that is birthed out of Christ as well as our spirit. Wow. 
Now, some of us may, may, may not mean, mean a lot, but pastoring over the years, I've seen a lot of good Christians who love God with all their heart, but never really ever do anything with their lives because their souls are too full of fear. Their souls... Um, there, there is little difference between an obstacle and an opportunity. But the wise are able to turn both into their advantage. And the thing is we've got to pass on to our next generation is a soul, a soul that it... You see, in Numbers chapter 13, I think it is, they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, therefore we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, these guys were good enough for Moses to send into the promised land to spy it out. So they, they weren't buffheads. They weren't idiots. These people were people of renown. But only two of the 12 came back with a positive... They loved God. They served God. Moses would not have sent a backslidden person into the promised land to spy it out. So they went in, but they came out. But their identities, who they were within themselves, the way they saw themselves. And we know psychologically that anxiety is passed from generation to generation. And we know that parents who fear and fret too much over their children, and we know, and this is statistics back this up, I'm sorry for here, but that helicopter mums raise children who suffer more from anxiety than the others. We know that. We know that parts of the brain are enlarged when they're like that. And what we've got to do is we've got to raise our children founded in God to believe enough in themselves to encounter danger. To encounter, to encounter loss, to encounter failure, to encounter rejection, to encounter those things. But if we shield our children from that, they will never mature in the way God needs them to mature. They've got to face failure. They've got to face it. We know the psychologists tell us this, that the safer we make the playgrounds and public playgrounds, the more the little boys make them dangerous. Because there's something within our children that naturally needs to encounter danger. And you know what? Faith is not faith. Faith is worthless unless there's an obstacle to overcome. What's the good of faith? You know, what's the good of a saviour if you don't have sin in your life? <laughs> Jesus said that to them. You have no need for a saviour. The sinner has need for a saviour. And the greatest thing, one, one of the greatest things we need to be conscious of is that our children have got to become strong. They've got to learn the bounce back in faith. Yeah. Am I making sense? Let them fall and scratch their knees. Heavens above, if they're crying, they're breathing. I say the end, you know. Then they fall over. They, they cry. Yeah, they're breathing. They'll be right. We'll get to them. They'll be right. I had first, first name relationships with the nurses in the hospital, I can tell you. Another cut, six stitches. But we've got to allow them. See, see, I find a lot of... I find a lot of people who love God, but they don't really know God because they haven't experienced God on the battlefield. 
They've never experienced God in the hard times. They only want a life of mount, oh, on top of the mountaintops, but that, to me, is not reality. Who's found that? It's, it's just not reality. They've got to know God. We're in this together. There's bullets flying everywhere, God, and I might cop one in the head, but I'll tell you what, hell of high water. <laughs> I'm not going to give in to it. I'd rather die in faith than live in unbelief. Come on, live it. Come on. Come on. I'd rather die in faith. I'd rather, rather cop something than least, you know, I'd rather die in that place than say, oh, you know what, I, I just, it was just too hard. Life isn't easy and doesn't always, <laughs> it doesn't always go the way we want it to go. <laughs> Have you found that? Life is unjust. Life sucks at times. It does. Life sucks at times. It's unjust. Cruel things happen and awful things happen to good people. But unless we build that into the inheritance and we lay up an inheritance for our children's children, it's got to be part of it. It's got to be in there. Yeah, it's not easy. Got to build that resilience. Don't become a victim. Love God, but I'm a victim. Oh, damn it, you don't know my upbringing. Don't know my upbringing. I'm sure it could be sad. And as a pastor, I've heard a lot of sad stories, but by gee, I've seen a lot of victorious people regardless. Does that make sense? What are you building into your grandchildren? What are you leaving? What are you leaving there? We do not dare because it's difficult, but it's difficult because we do not dare. It's scary. It's scary. It's real scary. Who's been there? I mean, for me to stand up here today, it's scary. I find it scary. Scary, isn't it, Pastor Steve? It's scary. If it's not scary, I ask myself, is it worth doing? It's scary. It's scary out in the water. You could sink. I've sunk at times. It's scary. It's the common denominator. You know, when you do quadratic equations and all that stuff, it's scary. You take the, the common denominator out because it's in all sides of the equation. With Jesus, it's scary. Without Jesus, it's scary. But with Jesus, I've got an overcomer with me. <laughs> am, am I doing any good? Don't ask for an easy life. Just ask for a faith that's stronger than the obstacle. Teach your grandkids that. Teach your grandkids that. My mum always told me, I played a lot of football young and and she said, don't worry, Dan, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. I grew up with that saying. Bigger they are, harder they fall. Yeah, got knocked out a lot, but by gee, I got a lot of tackles through. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. What are we going to leave our grandkids? 
In the next service, my granddaughters are going to be, I'll sit there and say, how are you going, honey? Oh, pop, it's busy. What are you doing? Oh, man, I'm music ministry, I'm in Sunday school, I'm doing two university degrees, and so you learn Spanish pop. Where am I going to get time to do that? Two jobs. They're in life. Come on. They're in life. They're in life. And this is what we've got to pass on to our grandkids. Walking with God is the most exciting walk that you can ever have. And I've run out of time.